Hey everybody, Michael Zune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors. I've got Ricky here with me today, and we are going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, which is how to get meetings with influential people in government. But before we do, Ricky, why don't you take a minute, tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me on. Definitely a good topic to talk about. I also love, you know, getting into how do we sit down with someone that can make a difference in your contracting or selling to the government. I spent 20 years in the Air Force. Most of that time, I was flying reconnaissance aircraft as a navigator. I say most, probably about 12 years of that. And then the last eight years or so, I switched into acquisitions, which is the profession of putting companies on contract for the government. I was a program manager, and so I got to do a lot of different things. While I was doing that, one of the problem areas, I guess, that I saw were a lot of the companies that I wanted to put on contract, especially in the tech space, had no idea the government even bought the type of thing they were selling, or they just didn't understand the process. So when I retired, I started a consulting business and we do a lot of different things. We do training. We have a podcast. We just launched our own CRM and pipeline tool that's you know specifically designed for selling to the federal government. That's me in a nutshell, living in Massachusetts with my family and you know just loving life right now. So yeah, I'm glad, awesome. glad to be on. That's awesome. And you chose a topic that I love to talk about because I think most people want to know one of two things. What websites do I bid on or how do I talk to people? Mm -hmm. that's, that's probably the top two questions besides the obvious, how do I win a government contract, right? Right. Like the very vague, broad one. I thought this would be a great topic for us to dive into and start with probably the most basics of questions. Who are the main people that when you're advising clients that you try to speak to? That's a good question. By the way, this whole topic answers that big question of yeah. how do I win a contract with the government? One of the best sales executives, not even someone in the government, one of the best sales executives I ever met said, you know, Rick, if you want to teach someone how to win a contract, he goes, I tell them one thing, get meetings. It covers a lot of different things, right? But your question is really, who do I get meetings with? I often talk to a client or someone that's come to us that, you know, has just come off of a bad experience, you know, maybe paying someone for an email list and they're trying to do like a blanket email marketing mm. campaign to the government. It never works. And no. the reason, and one of the things I tell them is, you know, number one, most people in the government, not only do they have no idea how to buy anything, most people in the government can't buy anything. You know, like 99.99% of people are never going to be able to buy something from you. GPC cards aside, that's probably another topic. But, you know, we're talking about, you know, regular contracts with the government, co contracts over, you know, 10, 20 grand. It's the federal acquisitions process. So when we're targeting people, the first thing I say is first, let's find out who actually buys what you sell. Relatively easy to do with the tools that are out there the offices that buy your product or service. And then let's look for people that actually have a authority, some type of authority to put you on contract and funding and requirement. We don't want to waste our time trying to set up a meeting with someone that is never going to be able to buy something from you. So that's really where we start off. Position-wise, what do you find besides contracting officer? Because that's the most obvious one that people are going to see when they look at a solicitation or anything like that. Where have you had success with other positions? I usually don't target the contracting officer. I'm targeting the program manager. Maybe I'm biased because that's what I was doing in the yeah. government, right? But you know how to speak the language of, yeah. of the PM there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Look, the, the program manager, for the most part, every industry is a little bit different, but for the most part, the program manager is going to be in charge of the overall program. So if you are putting, let's say, a HR tool, human resources software tool together, and you are bidding on something with the government, it's going to be a program manager on the other side of that, that maybe has to, maybe his requirement is to take a legacy HR program that has a bunch of databases, nothing's connected. And now we need to upgrade that to something a little bit more current with X, Y, and Z associated with that. 
It's really the program manager that's digging into the details of that. The contracting officer is important. They're the one with a warrant to actually make the contract real. But if you want to influence it and if you want to actually make yourself more competitive, for me, it's starting with the program manager. And of course, there are some other people involved there, maybe some engineers and things that we can talk to, but that's usually where I'm at. That's a great one to go to. The next question here is, it's easy to find the contracting officer. How do you go about finding the PMs? If you're struggling with your government contracting business, I want to encourage you today to go sign up for a free coaching session with me. You can go in the description of this podcast. There's a link to my calendar and you can go pick a time where we can sit down for 30 minutes, talk about what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, what you should change. And then if coaching makes sense for you, I'll actually go over the options on how you can get started with coaching so we can take your business to the next level. Now let's get back into this episode. There's a little bit more investigation work to do there, right? I think it depends on how we find the opportunity. Finding the opportunity early, and I know you guys know how important that is. If we're finding it through something like, say, a sources side, and you might not even have a contracting officer on there, it might be you know one of their underlings, or sometimes it's even a subcontractor that's in charge of collecting everything. But we can usually find out where the office is with the information that's given. So if it's something like that, I might have to do a little bit of a data drill by going to LinkedIn and looking up you know, people that work in that office. But you can just ask if you get it early enough too. Picking up the phone is something that a lot of people just aren't doing, especially early on. If I have the ability to call somebody in the office, I'll just call and I'll ask. And you'd be surprised. Usually they want to help you. They may also give you somebody else. It might not be the program manager. If you are dealing with a company, a lot of times these other transaction authority deals are being run by subcontractor somewhere or a contractor that the government hired to handle that. And that's fine too. You can work with them, but that's probably where you want to start and do some investigation work. I target the PM, maybe somebody else that you're not even thinking of, some other position that's handling it. And you know, you can talk to them and build that relationship. You bring up an important point. It's a point that I really wanted to start stressing more and more on the podcast <clears throat> about research. I think a lot of people aren't really wired to do research. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. And the analytical mind that you really need to connect the dots, that's just important for us to be able to talk about that more and more and say, hey, yeah. that's a skill. If you're a business owner, if you're in BD or whatever fancy term you want to throw for sales and marketing for your business, understanding how to do research, understanding how to connect the dots, kind of being an analyst is the skill that usually that I see that prevents people from doing what you just said. It was so easy what you just said. And mm. you and I, it's like breathing to us because I'm an analyst at heart to be able to go, I have one little bit of information and I need to get over here. I'm just going to connect one little dot at a time until I finally get to my end goal. It's a really good point that you bring up about the research side of it. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people get frustrated when they're like, well, I Googled it and I couldn't find it. So yeah, I I'm mean, just moving on. You're right. And it's too bad too. You're right. We should all be talking about it more because with the challenges that come with federal acquisitions, I think that one of the benefits is the fact that all of this information, almost all of this information is publicly available information. You're not going to get that with any other industry. Right. Right. So like if I knew me and you were competing uh, on a contract with the government, maybe you've been doing it for a while, right? Let's go back to the HR thing. And I knew your company has the software tool and you've been selling it for the past five to 10 years. I can go on to something like USA USAspending.gov that you don't even have to pay for. And I can right. start looking at every single contract that you've won with the government and who it was won with and a lot of additional information. 
I think the problem, one of the challenges though, is as we know, the government doesn't build great websites and you might have to go to four or five websites to get everything you need out of that. But there's a lot of information there. Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of people, they've been to the one website, they have made one phone call and they reach back out to me and they're like, well, that went nowhere. I'm like, but you got a little nugget. Now let's use that nugget to find the next one and the exactly. next one and the next one. And that's the game you're playing. Oh, yeah. Most people just don't like the game. They're like, well, I just want to know the one name. I want to know where to submit the proposal. And I want to do that a thousand times. Yeah. And think about just to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, right? And I love talking about this. So you might have to stop me because there's not many people I can geek out with about research and, and strategy for federal acquisitions. But let's say that you find a source of sod that you want to engage, which most people aren't doing anyway, right? But I, I do like to start with that because we know that the government, if they're putting that out there, they have funding and they have a requirement. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And I was just working with someone who, you know, they made a phone call similar to yours, right? They're like, oh, you know, well, they're, you know, we talked to them. So we talked to them. I sat on the phone call with them. And at the end of it, you know, they're not going to give us a sole source contract off of this. They're not going to, I'm like, no, but think about all of the information that we just got because we had that phone call. Right. We have three different use cases that weren't even in the official solicitation. Everything's not going to be in there. We got to meet four or five other people that are working on the project. We got to know what kind of company they want to put on contract. They have all of this additional information. And then, you know, the next phone call might be after they make their submission. And mm -hmm. so now we can sit down and do a demonstration. I mean, there, there's so much there. And I think understanding the value of that information and the relationship, when that comes time to put that proposal in, that could mean all the difference. And of course, yeah. people that are really winning, they know that and they know it's the long game and they're building those relationships, doing what they can. I've actually thought about creating within our stuff, maybe like a course on how to be an analyst or an investigator, or I'm trained in both. I'm trained in private investigating. I'm also trained as an analyst from the military. <laughs> when I think of talking to your prospects and moving a contract forward, I always think about like when you would watch the old detective shows mm -hmm. and they had the big board, like the giant board with all the little red burn on it. And I'm like, that's a lot of what's going on, trying to connect this person to this project, to that project, to this funding and this to that back and forth. And it's that thinking that it makes you patient and methodical and you stick with it. And when you get a no, you don't go, okay, well, that contact is dead. I need to refill my contact. It's like, okay, well, how do we go back to the well on that one and keep talking to them? How do you go about or what do you advise as like the top two or three ways to set up meetings with people that can influence a purchase? The first one we've already talked about a little bit, which is, you know, I love to start as far back from the solicitation as I can with the understanding that I also want to make sure that there's funding and a requirement there, right? RFIs and sources sought are one way that could be an entry point into setting up that meeting with the government. Another way that you could do that, you could pull an acquisitions forecast. You know, that's another way. It's a similar way. Sometimes those can be a little wonky, but they also might have contact information there. A lot of times they do. So you can always reach out that way. And then of course, conferences, some people love them. Some people hate them. Go into these yeah. conferences or, you know, if you're a small business, sometimes the SBA will put on a good or just the organization itself, like the VA or Army Corps of Engineers, they'll put on these events that you can register for just through their small business website. And, you know, you're signing up to talk to somebody, right? Now, in, in those cases, you're not always dealing with the person that's going to make a decision, but you are getting your foot in the door. And the next conversation that you ask for, you just got to know to ask for it, could be with the person that is an influencer or in the program shop that you need. Those are a couple ways that we like to start with organizing those meetings. And then I guess one other thing, just because I was just doing it yesterday, LinkedIn, 
great way to set up meetings. You'd be surprised how many people in the military actually want to help you. You know, we're going to ATA, which is the airlift tanker symposium here in a couple of weeks. I don't know when this is coming out, so I might have already attended that by the time. But for that, I re reached out to some key people I just researched on LinkedIn and they responded to me. And so we're going to set up times to meet there. And I've already got a few of those scheduled. So literally, if you can be creative, there are a lot of different ways that you can yeah. get in there, get those initial meetings. I really wish people would use LinkedIn smarter. That's the big thing. Like, I don't know how you are about this, but I know for me, when I get somebody's capability statement and 16 paragraphs about their life story, a lot of times I won't even read that one. I know this is a random pitch. You just threw this out to everybody. I'm just not even going to read this. And if they send me something more personalized, maybe I'll respond. But if, for me, it's the person that sends me a one sentence message that catches my attention. Hey, really appreciate whatever. Hey, I got a quick question. Yep. That's the one that always catches my attention because it seems like they sat down and actually wrote it yep. versus just blasting it out. The ones that not only send you the 16 paragraphs, but they continue to send you variations of that where you're like, eventually you just block the person because yeah. you're like, I don't want anything yeah. to do with it. And it's kind of like what you were saying earlier with getting an email list and then just blasting your CAPE statement or a couple of paragraphs to every contracting officer and PM and decision maker who's not a decision maker. <laughs> I got a list of every yeah. colonel or major or whatever in the military, and I'm just going to message them. And they have no authority to do that kind and of stuff. Yeah, and probably no idea. Like when I was flying, I knew there was an acquisitions corps. Yeah. That's pretty much where my knowledge level stopped. If I was a wing exec or something, I might know like what the wing was racking and stacking. Yeah. But I had no idea how that went on contract. And if you talk to me, you probably would waste your yeah. time at that point. I know first lieutenants and captains that have more authority for purchasing than a colonel ever will, ever, depending on what they're doing. So yeah, you really got to be targeted and, and that's where the research comes into it. You can use the research tools available today, some of which you have to pay for, and we'll take that. If you're a woman-owned small business and you offer bookkeeping services, we could go look at all of the spending really fast for bookkeeping services, see who the top three were, right? Let's say it was the DOD, the VA, and somebody else, and then we can just keep refining it. Okay, well, that's all spending, maybe let's say it's a billion dollars. What about just small businesses? And maybe it changes after that. Maybe we see, oh, well, $200 million was spent on bookkeeping services, but it was the Air Force Lifecycle Management Center. And then you say, okay, well, how about woman-owned small businesses? And you say, okay, well, 50 million was spent last year on woman-owned small businesses for bookkeeping services. That was with the Army Aberdeen Labs. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there. And it was this office. These are the top three offices. So now not only can you find your target for who spends, but you can find who spends on companies that look like yours, who award a set-aside more than another. Or mm -hmm. if you don't have a set-aside, who awards not using a set-aside. There's so much you can do there. I mean, it's really paramount to have that, to do that research ahead of time so you know who your targets are, so you're not wasting time. I 100% agree. You mentioned something earlier about the networking, whether it's at events or conferences, all those kinds of things, and where you're just networking with different people. I think we throw around the word relationship building a whole lot. Mm -hmm. What are some of the tips or tricks that you have for actually building a relationship with these people while you're networking? Because we all know it's important, mm -hmm. but I think a lot of people look at it and go, well, I talked to them. That's relationship building. I talked to them that one time. Now, why aren't we going golfing together and you know sipping martinis down by the river well you're not doing it right what are your thoughts on that and how, yeah. to, how to do it right so you got to be intentional first of all right it's a job and so whether you're doing it or you're hiring somebody to do it conferences is actually a good example because it's easy to go to a conference and start taking leads and exchanging business cards and then you do nothing with it right. when you get home what i do is i take immediately i take that and i make linkedin friend requests or connection requests 
out of all of those people. Because keep in mind also, you may go to a conference and talk to somebody that doesn't have authority right now, but you have their card. But especially with the military, four years from now, that is somebody who could have a lot of authority and be very influential in what you're trying to do. So it's good to keep them in your network and then just reaching out periodically, not spamming them, but hey, just following up. How you doing? Can I help you? Is there anything that I can do for you? And just chasing this rabbit trail a little bit. One thing that people don't talk about a lot is your existing contracts with the government and how important it is to actually build that because they're not mm. just networked or you don't just naturally have a relationship with them because you're on contract with them. That is something that needs to be intentional. Like with our CRM tool that we launched, one of the pipelines is because, you know, you see a traditional pipeline and it's a find the lead. It gets a little bit warmer. It, you win it or you lose it. You know, with us, each one, each pipeline is about 20 steps long. Like, hey, if it's the Cyber pipeline, the 8A pipeline, no matter what pipeline it is, once you win that contract, it immediately goes into your existing customer upsell. And the second step in that is always, hey, on a monthly or quarterly basis, you want to make sure that you're reaching out. You know, if you're providing services, whoever the program manager is, hey, are we doing what you guys need done? Is there something else we could be doing? you need more of anything. You know, this is where my experience selling to the government on the commercial side is most of our sales are going to be generated from our existing contacts and contracts. Do what you do well, and they're going to need more of it, or they can recommend somebody that is going to need it. But the only way that's going to happen is if you're intentional with a relationship, you're not always trying to sell them. For the most part, you want to just be providing value. I think it was Gary V's jab, jab, mm -hmm. jab, right hook, whatever it right. was. But you're providing value because that's what they put you on contract for. And then you can ask them, you can make that ask periodically, hey, you know, is anything happening that we should be thinking about? That's probably one of the top things that when I bring up in any of the coaching sessions we do and say, hey, when's the last time you sat down with your current customers and talked about the other things you do or anything else? The deer in the headlights moment there that I get is mind boggling. And I get it because most people are chasing the next contract. There's such a demand to chase the next contract when those things can almost be falling in your lap if you're building that relationship. Like you said, you're being intentional with the people that you've already sold to. The statistic varies every now and then, but the research I've always seen says that a current customer is like 27 times more likely to buy from you than a oh. new customer. It's some outrageous number, right? And yet we spend so much of our BD time focusing on a new customer that's not likely to buy from us. Yeah. Even if you only have one just spending time like i'm gonna nurture this one customer like they're my only customer because they're my only customer you know i've got all the time in the world to spend with them i, I think that's them in person on email them. again don't spam them but yeah you know you develop that and not only are they more likely to buy from you but it's faster and you know you might not yeah. have to even have a competition i mean once you're on contract with the government contracting officers and program shops have some creative ways to yes they avoid do. lengthy competitions at all costs so you might have already checked the competition box just by getting in there. So they might just be able to put a delivery order on a current contract, or maybe they might have another creative way of using some type of simplified acquisitions right. or a broad area announcement, but they're going to have ways to get you on contract. And you know, I've been able to get on contract 30 days to 60 days, multiple times with current customers, much easier to do that, if not impossible with someone that you've never contracted right. with or competed right. for. If I could get one mindset change to happen with all government contractors, it would be the relationship side of it and understanding that it's not just winning contracts is the marathon, but you're not going to build a relationship in 30 days. 
Yeah. There's going to be the rare times where somebody just hits it off and it's like, oh, this is my kindred spirit or whatever. It's mm-hmm. just perfect. But a lot of times it's not like that. A lot of times it's time over time. And like you said, where you show up to a conference and you meet somebody and they're currently captain whatever. In the next conference, you see them and they are program manager. And they're like, exactly. oh yeah, I remember you from last year in New Orleans. Or they've seen you the last three conferences in a row and they're like, Mike's not going any." But yet there's a lot of other faces that have come in and just faded away. And so for people to understand how much time it takes to build a relationship is something I struggled with that. I struggled with that a lot because I was one of those people like, how do we do this faster? Yeah. You know, and it's like, you can't, you can't manufacture it. It's the long game. Yeah. Which brings me to like, what do you feel are the most common mistakes people make when they're trying to set up these meetings? I usually go back to when I was running an acquisitions branch and I was getting peppered with requests for these meetings. The ones that always kind of fell on deaf ears is don't just reach out to a acquisitions branch or a contracting shop because you bought a list or because you did like 10 seconds of research without actually knowing what their mission is. If you reach out to somebody that's really busy and you're providing, I don't know, some type of services or or building maintenance or something, but you've reached out to intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance office, that's not their mission. Their mission isn't (laughs) maintenance for the buildings, right? So you've already wasted your time. You've wasted their time. I, I probably wouldn't even respond to the email. The other thing is just, these are just common mistakes I've seen in initial outreach. Leading with a certification that you have, sometimes it can feel on the government side, like you think the government owes you a contract because you got your 8A qualification or your SDVOSB, right? There's nothing further from the truth. Always lead with the fact that you understand what their mission is and that you have something that can solve one of their problems potentially. And that's my recommendation. So if it's cold, at least start from that standpoint and try to avoid any appearance of you're just spamming people. I would say that's number one. I don't know what your experience there is. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. But that, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Absolutely. One of the buzzwords that I use a lot of times is I've been doing my research and I've found that something along those lines, just that's to nice. be able to say, I've been doing my homework. I put in some effort and not just, I got a list and I'm emailing you until you either die or this bounces, which is what I feel like a lot of people are doing. I've actually done some homework. I say that out of the gate and I make my emails as short as possible. Phone calls, short as possible. I get like right to it. I don't need to give you my whole life story before I say, hey, I'm actually calling about this contract that you can't talk about. I get to the punchline. I lead with the punchline as quickly as possible because I don't want to waste anybody's time. And the other thing for me is also being just very humble about it. Like you don't owe me anything. I'm grateful that you picked up the call. Thank you so much because I know you've got 200 calls to respond to today or 200 emails or whatever it is, and you picked one of mine. So thank you. I really appreciate that. Simple stuff like that, I I found just being a good human being and having that etiquette out of the gate, a lot of time mitigates my lack of knowledge somewhere else. Because I called people before and said, I've been trying to do my research and I've been hitting dead end after dead end. I'm calling you in hopes that maybe you can point me in the right direction. That's powerful. It's just honest. And you're going to help them, right? Like, I was just thinking when you opened that, I mean, because we both have our own businesses where we're working on, right? Uh, you know, just in, even in the commercial space, if you start with, I've done my research, you know, if I get an email and I can tell it's spam, I'm probably not reading it. I've sometimes been fooled a little bit because it started off. I thought, you know, they're like, hey, I made a video for you and yeah. blah, blah, blah. like, hey, nope. all right, great. And now, yeah, that used to be a real video for me. 
Yeah. But now it's a video that was obviously made for a thousand different, anybody could watch that video and it's not specific. So if you actually take the time, because especially in government, going to the masses doesn't work. Be targeted with a few people that buy what you sell. If you take that approach, I mean, that's great. That's yeah. a great opening liner. And I would say, yeah, make them understand that you have done the research on them and what they're doing. By the way, I despise the people that said I've made a video for you because I actually used to make videos for people. I did too. I, I would pull up their website and I would send them a video link and say, hey, I made this video for you. And it was better than that. I'm just, you know, for a yeah. here. And I would actually have a 10 minute video where I'd reviewed their website and said, hey, here's some things on your government landing page that I noticed while I was doing my research that you could change. No one ever responded because of those people, <laughs> those garbage videos. And so I had to change the strategy. And those people have a tool also now, I have noticed, where it will actually bring your website up. So it looks like they're reviewing your website and yeah. it takes about two seconds, two or three seconds to realize they're not looking at your website website. They made right. one video that could apply to any website and they have right. some tool that will take people's websites and like yep. scroll up and down. Yeah. Not to get off on too far of a tangent here, but bad email procedures, right? There's a couple that just irritate me to no end. And one of them, I don't know if it started our discussion or somebody else because it was about contracting officers and stuff, but it's the email that people send after they've spammed you about 30 times and they say, it seems like I'm wasting my time trying to talk to you. Is there someone above you that I should be talking to? They're trying to get a rise out of you almost mm -hmm. like I'm going to irritate him because I know he's a partner at the company and I'm going to try to get a rise out of him that way. And I'm like, there's no good outcome from that yeah. email. I'll say this other email that is crazy. I don't know if you get these emails. I'm really, really curious. I get emails all the time from people trying to help me win government contracts. Ah. <laughs> you don't get those? I get them all the time, at least once a week. I send them. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, we have our own email campaigns that go out, but they're, they're very specific. What I don't like is the emails I get, because like I, I probably get emails from all walks of life trying to do everything from optimize my website to win me government contracts. The ones I, I really don't like are the ones that I get where it almost looks like the government is sending you something. And I get, yeah, my oh, client, yeah. and you're trying to scare people, right? So it's, hey, your yeah. Sam.gov is going to get, I know you get these, right? Your yeah, Sam.gov yeah, yeah. is about to expire, or, you know, something bad's going to happen. I've had clients in a panic because they thought their Sam.gov yeah, was going to expire. I've had to take them like, okay, and you need to just take a step back. And whenever you get an email that comes in about government contracting, about anything that could be a problem, I want you to look at just the last three letters of that email address because if it doesn't say .gov, then it's probably coming from some company that is trying to right. scare you, trying to sell you something, whatever, right? Some people have services out there and I don't get mad if you're trying to market to me, but I, I would like it to be individualized yeah. and you know, actually try to provide yeah. some value. I get a lot of those. I get a lot of the, um, I know that you are concerned about your cybersecurity needs and that you need to, and I'm like, I'm not concerned at all about that. Yeah. There's so many things and it's like, we don't do that. Or I've done my research and I noticed that you are concerned about this thing that you're not really concerned about. <laughs> You've not done your research. So anyway, I think those are a lot of the big mistakes that people make in marketing just in general. And it really doesn't matter what the platform is, whether it's email, LinkedIn, or something else, using those strategies just irritate the buyer. I like to tell people, what would you respond to? Think like a normal human being. And if it irritates you, it's going to irritate me or the next buyer that's out there. It's going to. When you don't respond to that kind of stuff, why would I or anybody else respond to that type of stuff? 
especially with a government. You're dealing with a very small community. Maybe you've had some success out there in commercial world where you sent a million emails and you got a couple people mm -hmm. to buy whatever it is you're selling, but you don't have right. that pool of people in the government. Right, you right. You really need to be careful. Well, and I think people don't realize the volume that they have to sift through. Whether it's a CEO, a PM or somebody, they don't realize the volume of trash they have to sift through. And that's why it's so important to do things like you were saying earlier of not leading with your status, not right. leading with things that don't matter, not taking 20 minutes and 16 paragraphs to talk about stuff that don't matter. They have a limited amount of time. I had Kevin Jans on recently, and by the time this podcast airs, that one will be out. And we were talking about how contracting officers respond. That was one of the things for him. He was like, there's so many layers before I get to the layer of, I don't know you and don't know if this is important. There, yeah. There's so many layers before that. And so trying to stand out once a contracting officer gets to that layer or a PM or anybody else, that's a lot of work to make it simple. Absolutely. Um, you just brought something up that triggered something, which is somewhat related, but I thought I'd bring it up because it is a problem that a lot of people aren't talking about. If you're emailing somebody in the government, especially if it's a response of some sort, maybe it's a source of thought or maybe a proposal or even a capability statement. A lot of times that doesn't even make it through to the government email. I mean, just as an anecdote, you probably experienced this. My wife would email me and she works for a real estate agency. Her emails wouldn't hit me because her signature block has more links and garbage in it than you know anything you've seen but the yeah. government systems a lot of them will block that so also know the more stuff that you're adding to that email not only are you just kind of doing the opposite of what we just talked about which is try to be simple try to be direct and try to make yourself distinguishable to somebody in the government that's reading it but also you're you're hurting yourself if you add all this other stuff to it and it might not be getting through Oh. And if you do have to send something in and they don't respond, make sure you send a follow-up email with no links, no attachments, yeah. no nothing, and see if you can get them to say they received it. That's a great point because you're right. My wife every now and then will send me something and it doesn't get through. And there's like nothing in her signature block. The spam filter just decides you're not getting through today. Yep. So for whatever reason, you never know what's going on. Great discussion on all this. I don't know if we yep. missed any points you wanted to cover or if you'd like to do a quick recap of anything. I'll turn it over to you for kind of final thoughts. I thought this was a great discussion and it's not something that you often hear people talking about when we're talking about going after contracts or selling to the government, but it's probably one of the most important things. What I would say, one thing I didn't mention is if you're trying to set up a meeting and the solicitation is already out, that's another big mistake I see because then the handcuffs are pretty much on the, the office and it's harder to have a conversation with someone at that point. So find an opportunity early and then kind of do your detective work to figure out who you want to reach out to. I'll close it off with what I said at the beginning, you know, getting meetings can equal contracts for you. So in that, to get a meeting, you really, you want to develop that relationship. You want to make sure that you are saying the right things, showcasing your value to that organization, which you've researched and build that relationship over time. And I think you're really going to start seeing results. It's a really important part of government contracting. I hope someone got some value out of this and can put some of our strategies in place to, to win some more contracts. I will tell you that is probably my favorite metric and it has been a theme the last six months for me. So this is a hot topic when people say, what's the one thing I can do to move this along faster, get more meetings. Absolutely. The more people you talk to, whether they're a contracting officer, a PM, someone else in the decision-making process, whether it's a grassroots level supporter, or even if it's a teaming partner, the more people you talk to, the better. More people need to know you exist. Yep. They need to know what you do. And I guarantee you, you'll be blown away when you're talking at a conference to somebody who can't even help you in any way. 
but their best friend is a contracting officer on this base or their best friend is a PM somewhere on this base or works for the government. And you just start making these connections because you keep talking to people. I've gotten contracts from people, new clients at my daughter's birthday parties because I was just talking to people. And what's the thing? So what do you do? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's fascinating. Oh, I'm in this. Or, hey, my brother, I should connect you to. You guys would hit it off just by talking to people about what you do. So you never know where that's going to come. You just keep talking to more and more and more people. I love that. I love that being the theme of what you were saying today. I really appreciate you coming on. All your contact information will be on the website so people can go check out your new CRM pipeline tool and all that kind of great stuff. Your podcast, your website, I highly encourage folks to go check it out. Thanks for coming on. I'm sure we'll do another podcast. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, I would really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast and screenshot it and tag me on LinkedIn or whatever social media you use. So thank you again for joining us today and we'll see you next time.